0: As you know, today is the birthday of the Father and I'm sure you had a very good and you know, illuminating meditation this morning so I need not go in greater detail about that. Um, but of course it was for us an occasion to pray for Him. He, he is a man, uh, the Father is a man of great conscientiousness, of great uh, balance and prudence. and, and of course, of deep prayer. That means he sifts everything through intensive moments of prayer and reflection when he has to make decisions, because he's the prelate, he's the father, he has to make decisions that affect us, that affect the entire work, that will affect uh, priests, because the priests are incarnated in the work, and therefore he is their ordinary and he, in his prayer, he would pray, you know, how would our Lord do this? What would our Lord do now in this situation? As he's examining the concreteness of every situation in every country with the information that he gets. And and then, of course, he would think, well, what is the spirit of our Father in this? What is really the spirit of Opus Dei in this? How there may be many solutions that are possible and uh, different solutions are possible for different institutions, but what is the spirit of Opus here? And he has to sift this through prayer. And, of course, he is able to do this not because of his pure intelligence. He certainly has intelligence, of course, that we know. I mean, I was always uh, quite uh, struck by his classes, uh, uh, when I was in Rome uh, had many classes, many profs and in fact they were all very good and stuff but everybody among the students I was with was, were always, we were always looking forward to the classes with uh, Don Fernando Caris mm-hmm. and uh, uh, this was before he was even this was during the time of uh, Don Alvaro so that was before he was even vicar general of the prelature he was just uh, another priest among many teaching at uh, Santa Croce and uh, in fact uh, when I came back here I had a huge pile of notes like this and uh, I said it was recommended look you're never going to need these just throw them all out you know except the classes mm. by Monsignor Ocaris that I, don't th- I didn't throw those out you know and uh, it wasn't a huge pile but you know they were the the classes of Monsignor Ocaris so he's able to make and sift these decisions not merely because he's a good teacher and has good intelligence and all that, but because he has a deep, upright conscience, a well-formed conscience that is clear, that is clean, that is pure, so that it's as so though you could look through this conscience as though you were looking through a clean window and see you could say into God's will through that window, unclouded or un- undampened, unsullied by emotions or anger or or frustration, sheer frustration. We can we can sometimes make a decision on something because we're just frustrated about something. And and it, it actually leads to our conscience not being as clear as it could be. And so This leads us to consider, for us too, that we need a well-formed conscience. The conscience is the window into God, window in the will will of God. And uh, we have to form our conscience so that it can speak to us, speak to our heart, you could say, about what God really wants from us. And uh, sincerity and spiritual direction will provide for us a great opening to clarify and to form our conscience so that we can come to be what we might call souls of criteria Mm -hmm. to be a soul of criteria you can ask this person about something what should we do here what should we do there they may not answer you right away but they they will answer you maturely as people having criteria that is discernment mature discernment and uh, they means they are able to weigh the pros and the cons of a given thing and they really are able to see the real weight of things which means they are able to see the supernatural dimension of something and uh, the human dimension Mm -hmm. uh, the professional dimension of something they are all different elements that we have to look at when we make decisions Mm -hmm. And the clarity of mind that comes from a serene conscience uh, is so essential to become souls of criteria. But we have a clean conscience and we don't lie to ourselves. We don't make things overly emotional. We don't allow ourselves to be driven by our feelings. You no, know, but sometimes... We have to make a decision about what to do or what to say to a person. And maybe we can feel in the back of our head, right now I am being driven by my feelings because she said this to me the other day and that hurt me and that's why I want to get her back because that's why I'm going to say this. Now, is that the good thing to do or to say? Well, no. We could say, to be driven by my feelings? No, that's not the best thing. Let's look at the example of our Lord when he he chooses his apostles. It's a beautiful passage here in Saint Luke. The feast of Saint Simon and uh, Saint Simon the Zealot and uh, uh, the other guy there. What's his name? But uh, Jude, there you go. Thank you very much, Jude or Judas. Uh, also called judas but they, he, that's why he became the uh, patron of hopeless cases because nobody is ever going to pray to somebody whose name is judas right? so, like why would you pray to somebody who has the same name as the traitor and so once you prayed to everybody you prayed to andrew you prayed to peter you prayed to everybody and then well they haven't helped me so then in the end we're going to go to judas Judas Tadeus was his real name, actually. Judas Tadeus. And then he came to be also known as St. Jude. Very popular in the Philippines. They love him in the Philippines. I don't exactly know why, but... Well, Jesus chose him too. And we read this in in St. Luke. He called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases and he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal and he said to them take nothing for your, your journey no staff nor bag nor bread nor money and do not have two tunics and whatever house you enter stay there and from there depart. And wherever they, wherever they do not receive you when you leave that town shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. It's as though now they were putting into practice that power and that authority over all those demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out. He sent them out to preach the kingdom of God, and to heal. And isn't that a beautiful image of what the apostles are given the power to do, to cure all these diseases, all these demons, all this upheaval in souls. And they're there going there to cure. And of course the Lord saw that they were, the people around him were like sheep without a shepherd, they were lost, they were with demons, they were you know, with diseases. Uh, they were, And so the Lord's, zeal for souls really didn't he didn't want to see them lost or forgotten or at the mercy of those wolves wolves in all its forms and um, and knowing his people their zeal but also their lack of experience and their poor training he's, he's concerned about instructing them he teaches them and he's giving them you know faith but uh, He doesn't want to send them without assuring them of of their faith, of their rectitude of intention, without giving them good and concrete examples of virtues that they should practice in all the circumstances. Hmm. And uh, you can imagine hearing those words from Jesus, well, they would have been filled with with real supernatural sense, but also with great uh, common sense. When he says don't carry anything on the path, neither stick nor saddleback, n- nor bread, nor money, nor robes. You know. In any house, you enter, stay there until you leave. And if they welcome you, when you leave, if if no one welcomes you, well then shake the dust off your feet. Right? And uh, very often they will return very happy, huddled around the master. They will tell him about their a- apostolic excursions, the miracles, mm-hmm and they would have been very enthusiastic but he knew that enthusiasm and even you could say emotion was not enough and that the words he addressed to them on these occasions are not enough and that is why he did not lose that opportunity to train to train them with his words and their actions so that this whatever he said to them would gradually get engraved on their souls as key principles to allow them to be able to act according to the circumstances. Because the circumstances would not always be the same, they would be different, they would have different sick people, different demons. hmm? Like when taught them about the multiplication of loaves and fish, he's really teaching them to have initiative. You know, you, you go, you go and give them to eat. And, And at the same time, to trust divine generosity. And um, very often he explains, for example, the the inseparability in Christian life or the meaning of Christian life from the cross. You know, anybody who wants to follow me must take up his cross, mm-hmm. which is like a it's like a way of of teaching them against the prosperity gospel, the fear that or not the fear, but the the erroneous belief that. If they follow him, then they will have great prosperity. Everything will turn out well for them. They will be successful, recognized, and some of them even had, you know, political aspirations to be seated at the right hand and at his left. He said, no, no, you have to, you want to follow me. You must drink the chalice that I must take. Or or when uh, James and John are full of this energy and they're called the Sons of Thunder. They want to destroy the Samaritans. They send down fire and brimstone in the Samaritan town. And he says, "You guys. So I understand you. These guys were not very nice. The Samaritans uh, rejected us. Well, we rejected them too, right? But uh, but it doesn't mean you send down fire on them. Which I suppose they could have done. I mean, it, it was a. They were able to heal people, so maybe they could have blown the whole place up." And all these things were moments in which Jesus was giving them criteria. And Jesus knows that the apostles and all who will follow them throughout the centuries will go through difficult times. Their faith will be put to the test. They will face uh, hostile environments. And uh, he tells them not to be afraid and uh, that he will be with them until the end of the world. Until the end of the age, they have to be warned against the interior and exterior enemies that will threaten them. And uh, well, the the criteria of virtue. The, t- today, we are disciples of Christ, and you know we have to, as Saint Paul says, take on the armor of light and to grow in virtue ask for the gifts of the holy spirit all these so that we can have that that real uh criteria now in the way in the very introduction to the way i don't have the exact passage here but uh, in the introductions I'm not point number one but in the introduction he's explaining you know why he's written this he says you know i've written these read these counsels slowly um, they're for you That you reflect on them, I've written them for you. But at the end, he says, Why he's written? He says, So that you become a woman of criteria. Mm. Um, You know, hombre de criterio. Or, no, he says, Alma de criterio. That's the word, Alma de criterio. Mm. What, What does that mean to become a soul of criteria? That's how he introduces all those points in the way a soul of criteria well that word criteria seems maybe a little bit ambiguous to some because um, when you think of that's the criteria somebody tells you the criteria is this it sounds like it seems to evoke um, like a rule imposed from outside that would require kind of blind obedience right from us that is it's limited to the material execution of what is commanded so from one point of view it could seem like criteria this is the criteria in this situation this is what we do with people who do this this is the criteria this is what we how we imagine it it's some kind of rule like you know when we say go by the book you know, this person is really by the book they're very they follow the criteria And that could seem like what our father here is saying, but that's the opposite of the teaching and example of our Lord, Mm -hmm. who worked exceedingly and put all his heart and his will, uh, and you could say, and his inventiveness in forming the apostles. Mm -hmm. In the Last Supper, he loved his own who were in the world, and he loved them to the end. And while they celebrated dinner, supper, he took the towel and put it around his waist, and he poured water in the bowl, and began to wash the disciples' feet. So, you know, he was giving them example, so that they can then, themselves, understand the meaning of service, the meaning of love. And uh, it wasn't simply a theater that he was doing there. And um, that that idea, criteria, is um, means that, our formation that we receive in the work gives us, you could say, sound judgment. Sound judgment. I was reading about this recently that that introductory passage was added when he was in Burgos and that phrase, in English it's called soul of criteria, but that doesn't really work, so I think they have translations as soul of worth. Soul of worth. Perhaps that transmits better what alma de criterio means, soul of worth. And that phrase is what they call a hapax legamon. Hapax legamon. You know what that means? I didn't know what that means either. But uh, hapax legamon means an expression that is used only once in the entire writings of an author. If you see hapax legamon, he never uses it again. Mm-hmm. But it sort of pulls us into the way and it's meant to suggest that everything you're going to read here now is meant to make you into a soul of worth. And that's what our formation does. It kind of does something to our judgment. Right? It, you know, it builds those floors that we need to, wa- to be able to go up to God so that we can make judgments that are not exclusively informed by, by emotion or not exclusively informed by frustration or resentment, that it, it, it makes us free, makes us be truly ourselves, makes us be truly natural, kind of like the opposite of awkwardness. We see that sometimes people who maybe have received, like, how can I say, information about the faith, but they maintain a kind of social awkwardness. Eh? You find them saying the wrong thing, without proper judgment. Maybe they exaggerate things. They easily fall into gossip. It's those people who find themselves, when, they are, when the Pope says something that they don't like, they easily find him, themselves criticizing a decision of the Pope. You see, the Father has said, we you know, in many ways, you kind of have to read it in between the lines, but he's many, he, he realizes many people are lacking hope, so he's always he's always encouraging us to have hope and to always pray for the Pope, and even if he says something we don't like, that we never criticize the Pope, that we never see a, we may have ample reasons to do so that we don't like, or at least from what we hear. But we have to accept. Uh, I, I thought a good, a good explanation was, look, the Pope, has, a, has he, he can make mistakes sometimes. He can just say the wrong thing. He can say a thing on an airplane that's not the greatest thing. It's his, it's his right, just as you and I can, you know? we can. We can say bad jokes. We can say things that maybe somebody will correct us on after hope can do that too you know but a person i would say that who lacks that criteria would jump just jump on him and think that he's somehow evil and would start to criticize him or whatever so that being a soul of worth being a soul of criteria gives us a certain prudence it comes with a certain elegance a capacity to speak with a certain balance, a certain confidence in our conversations, a certain confidence that, you know, not overconfidence, not thinking that we're absolutely right, there's no way we can be wrong about this, not micromanaging everybody else's uh, words or decisions. See, some people when they talk, they can produce... Tension around them. They can produce tension. You know how that expression we say, you have to walk on eggshells. You know, like, if you say this, they'll get insulted, and, uh, you know, whatever. So, we can't be people around whom others have to walk on eggshells. They'll go, Hi, how was the day today? You know, like, they're afraid... We're afraid sometimes, you know. We can't be people cannot be afraid of us because we're gonna jump on them. Those who have this criteria that he talks about, this this being a soul of worth. It's a it's a form, I would say, that, of a of prudence manifested in a beautiful maturity, where we have a firm frame of reference to act in a wholesome Christian way in front of the different situations of our life work situations family situations see criteria is the norm to recognize the truth the true the good and the beautiful in every situation you have to recognize it and therefore being a soul of criteria means we're able to discern and we're confident in the faith about the truth in this given situation that we're generous in in, uh, charity we're trained to to love by by the love of the truth by a disposition of service hmm, to offer those around us a a dialogue of, of real light of love why do we decide to do something? Well, if is this going to further my spirit of service? Is this going to be an act of service? Yes? Okay, then I'll, then I'll do it. But it also means to act. We have to actually act. We can't just know things and not act. It's the habit of, uh, we've used ex- this expression often, of reframing our tasks. When when we're maybe filled with anxiety of some kind. So we can go from anxiety to excitement. Or go from, I'm tired, I don't feel like doing this, to, I'm going to serve this, I'm going to do this out of spirit of service. And um, if ever it happens, I know it never happens, but if ever it happens that one of the residents should see you here, uh, in the in the staircase or something like that, uh, cleaning or dusting or because they happen to be like happens to me sometimes, <laughs> but uh, you know when I'm leaving late for mass or something like that, they they see something there that that um, how can I say they they are infused by a sense of truthiness there, right? They they see something that affects them in the depths of their being mm-hmm. and they go from anxiety to excitement mm-hmm. and criterion really helps one to, to reach more to be freer to be more apostolic to be more apt to surrender ourselves criteria pray about that uh, criteria Term is related to the Greek. Uh, it's from the Greek verb krinio, krinio, which it means to separate, to sift apart, to separate the grain from the straw, to distinguish krinio, to stay with the good and uh, throw away the bad. it's you know, what God does. He needs the sheep from the goats. In other words, criterio, criteria, judgment really, it means that have judgment, inner life so we can discern and behave with true sanity and, and true sanctity ultimately. And of course, young people feel the need to know the difference between what is what is fair, what is not fair. And we we have to ask in our youth to to de- develop that those yeah those foundations because they suppose uh, a certain amount of maturity and uh, firmness in our convictions and, and knowledge at the same time of doctrine and apply that knowledge. Uh, some people they have knowledge of doctrine, you know, the church teaches this, but they don't know how to apply it in these specific cases. They forget that there are human beings in front of them that don't always understand this and they like the refinement or delicacy of spirit or... yeah mm. apparently Pope Pius X who was, you know, at the beginning of the turn of the century whenever he was asked something he would always say, let me, let me think about it first mm. he would think about it and then he would respond within short order he would respond like he would think about it, he would pray about it and then he would respond but sometimes i've i've uh, you know asked some people to see if they could contribute like i don't know if they could if we could use their their building for some talks or something like that like i've asked them you know to contribute in some way and sometimes they s- they say that they say let me think about it but it's not a let me think about it it's another way of saying no but without saying no in other words let me think about it it's not always an expression of prudence it's just a feeble way of saying no because they don't have the guts to say no and uh, you know develop criteria we have to ask we have to consult four eyes are better than two you know they say he who decides very rapidly also repents very rapidly right so we have to think things through and Pius X would think things through. He would look at a crucifix, seeking confidence, seeking inspiration. And in doubtful things, he would say, Okay, it's still doubtful to me. Let's wait a bit. Let us decide. So let us ask our Blessed Mother, Virgin Most Wise, hmm? Virgo Sapientia, Sede Sapientia, hmm? and uh, she'll help us to be those souls of criteria. so that the criteria that we really come to develop in our heart and our mind and our soul is really how to live the spirit of the work in every circumstance that we're in and to apply it uh, in the concrete circumstances of our life. Mm -hmm. Our Blessed Mother, our hope, handmade of the Lord, seed of wisdom, will pray for us. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me.